Well, welcome to those of you that are watching online. We're grateful that you're with us, and welcome to everybody in the room. We're in a series right now called Soul Care, and what we're doing is we're looking at what some of the songs in the book of Psalms have to say to us about how we might be able to care better for our souls. And I got one big idea for you today. It's pretty easy. A healthy soul is a grateful soul. A healthy soul is a grateful soul. Or you could flip it. A grateful soul is a healthy soul. Um, one of the biggest disappointments in my life was not making it to the major leagues as a baseball player. And for many years, I let being a washed-up minor league ball player shape my identity. Uh, that was too big of a defining moment in my life. And I wondered, you know, why wouldn't God let me make it to the show? Is what minor leaguers call the big leagues. Why didn't God let me make it to the show? And that attitude of non-gratitude made my soul sicker than it needed to be because I was too bothered about what I did not get from God. And so my soul care wasn't what it should be. How about you? Can you sometimes focus on what you didn't get more than what you have received? How about you? Are you caring for your own soul by vigorously maintaining an attitude of gratitude? Because you see, a healthy soul is a grateful soul. Now, in this message, we're going to discover five reasons why our souls should be blessing the Lord with all that is in them. It's because the Lord heals, the Lord forgives, the Lord redeems, the Lord crowns, and the Lord satisfies. Now, before we dive in, I want us to assess the level of gratitude in our souls. So here's the first statement. Give yourself a score on a scale of 1 to 10. I make it a point. I make it a point to regularly give thanks to God for delivering me from the domain of darkness, forgiving my sins, saving my soul, transferring me to the kingdom of His Son. In other words, are we like excited and grateful to God? Thank you for saving me. I can't believe that you did that. Second statement. Again, one to ten. Sometimes, I, I sometimes physically or mentally go through my home and say to God, everything in this home, as well as the food in the cupboard and the car in the driveway, are gifts from you. Thank you for your gracious and generous provision. I mean, do you, do you kind of go to your closet and say, thank you for that shirt? Sure. <laughs> I mean, do you ever go to your car and say, thank you, Lord, for giving me this car? I mean, I know your car may be a rust bucket, but, you know... Can you thank the... Do we thank the Lord for the things that He's given us? Last one. I have developed the spiritual ability of quickly, that's the operative word here, quickly giving thanks to God when I experience an unusual provision or a deliverance from a difficult circumstance. So as you look at that list, where are you strong or strongest? And where do you need to grow the most? See, we can all grow when it comes to this attitude of gratitude. So I want us to start by noticing who wrote the psalm that we're going to be looking at today. It's Psalm 103. So turn in your Bibles, fire up your apps to Psalm 103. And you're going to see at the very beginning it says, Of David. Now not all of the psalms are written by David, but he wrote a lot of them. 
And David was the ancient king of Israel. And so he's the author of this first psalm. And then he tells himself to do something. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. So it's tempting sometimes for us to think, you know, bless the Lord. You know, that's kind of like maybe easy for you to say, David. I mean, you're like a king. You got a court and people that just serve you and take care of you. You, you don't know, David, all of the disappointments that I've had in my life. Well, I want you to think about David and his life. He experienced a lot of losses. As a little boy, he was underestimated and unappreciated when compared to his brothers. As a young man, he had to run for his life because the king wanted him dead. His best friend, Jonathan, was killed in battle. David's first wife actually despised him, the scriptures say. He lived with the guilt and shame of having committed adultery with a woman named Bathsheba and then arranging the death of Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, who was a faithful soldier for David. David buried a newborn baby. One of David's sons raped one of David's daughters. Another son killed that son for raping his sister. And then that son, who killed the other son, tried to kick his father David off the throne and set himself up as king. I mean, David experienced a lot of disappointments, a lot of setbacks in life. But in spite of these setbacks, David challenges his soul. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. So it must be true then that a healthy soul is able to grieve the losses we've experienced and to bless the Lord at the same time. It's possible. How are you doing with that? And how am I doing with that? Now, I think it's very significant that he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. <laughs> This is where we get the connection to the whole idea of soul care here. Soul care. Bless the Lord, O my soul. You say to your soul in that deepest place of your being that makes you you, you say to your soul, Hey soul, I'm going to bless the Lord. I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm going to bless the Lord. So, soul, don't make a hypocrite out of me. You bless the Lord. And then notice, he says, and all that is within me. My mind is going to bless the Lord. My emotions are going to bless the Lord. My will is going to bless the Lord. I mean... There's every cell in my being is going to be engrossed in blessing the Lord. Now, why do we have to remind ourselves to bless the Lord? It's because we often forget to bless the Lord. We forget to do it. Now, the word bless here is the Hebrew word barak. 
And it actually means to kneel. So whether you're kneeling physically or you're kneeling spiritually or figuratively in your heart, the idea is I'm going to applaud the Lord. I'm going to submit myself to the Lord. I'm going to yield control of my life to Him. And I'm going to praise Him and acknowledge Him. And in this context, I'm going to be thanking Him. That's the idea of what it means to bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Why is it so important? Because it's a grateful soul that's a healthy soul. Now look at verse 2. He says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Why would, we be, why would we be commanded to forget not? Well, it's not very complicated. It's because we tend to forget. It's very easy for us to forget. And what do we forget? The benefits that have come to us from God. So the idea is, like, I need to remember all of the good things that God has done for me. And then i got to bless Him, thank Him, praise Him for them. In the Bible, this concept of blessing the Lord and thanking the Lord, they go hand in hand. It's like a hand in a glove. They're almost synonymous phrases. For instance, Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and enter His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. Again, thanksgiving, blessing, go together, especially in this context. So, I want us to brainstorm a quick list. You guys are readers. You guys know stuff. <laughs> what are the benefits of gratitude? So, you guys just shout out through your mask loudly so we can hear. What are the benefits of gratitude? Let's just make a quick list. What would you say? Better health. Better health. If you just study what secular people say about Thank being gratitude. Health benefits actually are part of it. What else? You get more joy. Better health, more joy. What else? More peace in your life if you have an attitude of gratitude. Less stress. It actually does physiologically reduce stress. What else? All right, contentment I heard, and what over, what back here? Acceptance. Yeah, acceptance, contentment. It's kind of like going together there, right? A couple more. He guards our hearts. Wow. I'm, I'm thinking of Philippians chapter 4. You know, when I thank God, I pray about everything, and I thank God, then He guards my heart. My heart. Say it again. It helps others to have gratitude. We actually, it's one way to let your light shine before other people so that they can see your good works and glorify God. It helps other people grow in this grace as well. All right, so look at the list. Great list, guys. Better than my list. I've got one, but I think yours is better. Um, which one of those do you need the most in your life right now? What's missing? What's that? All of them. <laughs> okay, that's good. I have found, as a, as a trainer and as a discipler, that sometimes if you just go, okay, but I'm just going to pick one. And over the next week or the next 30 days, I'm going to ask God to do that in my heart and life. Can you pick one? And then right now, 
right where you sit. You don't have to close your eyes. You don't have to get on your knees. You can just say simply, Lord, would you build that into my life? Just go ahead and pray to him right now. Would you build that into my life? Why? Because a grateful soul is a healthy soul. Listen, what should we be grateful for? I want to give you five ideas today. Never forget that the Lord forgives. Never forget that the Lord forgives. Notice what it says in verse 3. Bless the Lord my soul, forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity. Now, iniquity, that is a depraved action. Uh, the word comes from a word that means to bend or to twist or to distort. So God says, I want you to live this way because this is the most loving way you could possibly live. And what we do is we bend it, we twist it, we distort it because we're selfish and we're depraved. And that's iniquity. And every time we commit an act of iniquity, it makes our souls a little sicker. And it makes the souls of people around us a little bit sicker. But in spite of all of our iniquities, when we bend, twist, and distort the way God wants us to live, God forgives. God forgives. It says He forgives all of our iniquities. That's a huge word. It means that He forgives your past iniquities, your present iniquities, and your future iniquities. And then later in Psalm 103, he says, He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Can I get an amen for that? <laughs> what? Thank you, God. And then verse 12, As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. I was thinking about this. <laughs> I'm like going, wow, east, west. If, we're on Wallings Road, and if you go down Wallings Road, you go down the hill, you're going to get to 21, and Wallings Road ends there. But Wallings Road is kind of a long road, right? From east to west, if you keep going on Wallings Road west, you'll eventually get over to North Royalton, and you'll end up at York. And you cannot see Wallings Road, Brecksville Road, from Wallings Road, York Road. And it's like, that just blows my mind that God forgives us that much, right? Does that blow your mind? That's really a terrible illustration. <laughs> because you can go east and east and east and east and east, and you'll never start coming west. And you can go west and west and west and west, and you'll never start coming east. So even though that would be pretty amazing if I got forgiven for seven miles... God forgives you infinitely, eternally, unchangeably. Because when Jesus Christ died on that cross, all of your iniquities were put onto Christ. He died in your place for your sin. He bore your sins in his body on the tree. And when he hung there on the cross, he said, It's finished. All of your iniquities, gone. Past, present, and future. As far as the east is from the west. 
That should blow our minds. We should never get tired of thanking God for that. And sometimes, you know, I'm handling holy things all the time, you know, explaining scriptures to people, and sometimes I can get kind of used to being forgiven. Like it doesn't really stir my soul anymore. That's a terrible thing. You know, when you see somebody baptized, they're excited about their forgiveness. And when they go under the water and they come back up out of the water, it's like they're cleansed of all sin. I mean, the baptism of waters doesn't cleanse. Jesus cleanses, but it's a symbol of that. And we wanted you to just kind of get a glimpse at what happened in the life of a guy named Dan when he was baptized. Let's take a look. Well, since coming to CBC, I learned that the word gospel actually means good news, which in the case of Christianity, it explains the forgiveness of our sins through the life's work of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 3-5 states, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. My life has radically changed since I've come to CBC. Uh, I'm part of a life group now led by Nate Green and my friend Brian Reha, who has discipled me many times on the way here. I wish to be baptized so I can proclaim to the world in no uncertain terms that I am a child of the Most High God and I intend to live the rest of my life with those beliefs guiding my thoughts and actions forever. That hand that you saw give the fist bump, that's Brian. Thank you, Brian, for doing that. <laughs> and thank you, God. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in people's lives. He's talking about the meaning of Christianity is that we're forgiven of all of our sins, past, present, and future. Why aren't we more excited about that? And I just want to say thank you, CBC, for time, talent, treasure that you give here because lives can be changed like that. And maybe you're here today and you're like, struggling a little bit with having an attitude of gratitude because you've had a rough week when it comes to iniquities, to kind of twisting and distorting God's plan for your life. Maybe you said some things to a family member or a friend that you wish you could take back. Or maybe you had an opportunity to bless somebody and you just didn't do it this week. Or maybe you looked at something or went somewhere you shouldn't have or maybe you ate more or bought more than you should have. And what happened is you built a friendship with iniquity this past week. And just maybe God brought you here today to remind you that He forgives all. And He means all of your iniquity through Christ. And He wants to awaken your gratitude for that because a grateful soul is a healthy soul. So never forget that the Lord forgives. Never forget that the Lord heals. Now notice what it says in verse 3, last part. Bless the Lord my soul, and forget none of His benefits, who heals all your diseases. Now, we know some believers get sick, and they die. Followers of Jesus know not all cancers get healed, and not all COVID cases end well. Some believers have chronic illnesses, arthritis, psoriasis, high blood pressure, MS, and the list goes on. So what do we do with a verse like this that says, who heals all of your diseases? 
I mean, do we simply spiritualize it and say, well, you know, he's talking about spiritual healing and not physical healing. Well, I do think in this passage he is talking about physical healing as well as spiritual healing. So how do you understand this? And I would say a couple of things. Don't undersell this truth and then don't oversell this truth. Don't oversell it. This promise is going to be fulfilled perfectly for every person that truly believes in Jesus and knows the Lord. When? In the new heaven and in the new earth, in the life to come. All disease is going to be healed eventually. So don't oversell it, but don't undersell it because our God does heal. And all that healing that comes to us comes to us from Him. And so we should look for physical healing, ask for physical healing, pursue physical healing, and thank the Lord when physical healing does come. All the while remembering that in some cases that healing is going to come in the life to come. Now, I have often thought that if we could really see what's happening inside these bodies of ours that we would see that the Lord has protected us time and time and time again from infections and bacteria and viruses and cancers. I mean, what if a year ago or six months ago or 10 years ago, there was a cancer in your body that was forming and God just said, uh-uh, not yet, not now. I'm not ready for him. I'm not ready for her. They still have more for me to do. Wouldn't that just be like the Lord? I mean, when we get to glory, we might just see that God has given us healing after healing after healing over and over and over again. Can we be appreciative of the breath we're breathing and the heart that's beating? Why would he do that? Psalm 103, 13. He knows our frame and he remembers that we're dust. And because we're just dust, God graciously heals our diseases. And maybe you came in here today and you're just kind of frankly disappointed with God. Maybe you're even ticked at him, angry with him. And you've been thinking, what have you done for me lately? And maybe God brought you here today to remind you that He's a healer. And time and time again, He's helped your body fight disease after disease, and He has prolonged your life without you even knowing it. He wants to awaken your gratitude because a grateful soul is a healthy soul. Never forget that the Lord forgives that the Lord heals, and that the Lord redeems. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits. Verse 4, who redeems your life from the pit. You know what I deserve? been pastor here at Cuyahoga Valley for 35 years. You know what I deserve? The pit. What's the pit? It's a Hebrew word that literally means destruction, or condemnation, or the grave. It's a figurative word to describe hell. That's what we deserve. That's what I deserve. It's used in Psalm 1610, For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, 
or let your Holy One see corruption. And that's the word for pit. You won't let your Holy One see destruction or death. So what we deserve is death, eternal separation from God forever. Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And, and that's really kind of bad news because this life goes by very quickly. And in fact, you can see this later in Psalm 103. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes for a little while like the flower in the field. And then the wind passes over it. And it's gone. And its place knows it no more. Life is short. And once life is over, for those who don't know Jesus, we are doomed for the pit, bound for hell, for destruction. However, the Lord has provided a way for us to avoid all of that. How? He redeems your life from the pit. The word redeems here means to buy out. Uh, if a slave was owned in biblical days, that slave could be purchased, could be bought away from slavery. We were all slaves to sin and death and Satan, and Jesus Christ has purchased us, not with silver and gold, 1 Peter 1, but with His precious shed blood on that cross. He paid for us to be bought, purchased, redeemed. Apart from Christ, you deserve the pit. But in Christ, we're redeemed. He loves us. Never forget the Lord forgives, heals, redeems, and then crowns. This is in verse 4 also. Bless the Lord, forget none of His benefits, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. So the idea here is the Lord treats us, His servants, like we're kings and queens. This word crown here, it, it, is, it is translated from a word that means to surround. As a crown surrounds a ruler's head, so he surrounds us like we're kings and queens with his steadfast love and mercy. That God has given you token after token, display after display of his love. Psalm 103 verse 8, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He's not stingy. Verse 11, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. How high are the heavens? You can't see that high. That's how high His steadfast love is. Sometimes it feels like we're not objects of steadfast love. That we're not on the receiving end of the Lord's steadfast love. And I know in this room, your life has had its share of disappointments. Everybody's life is filled with limitations and losses. And that can make us question the Lord's steadfast love. I'd be surprised if you haven't, maybe sometime this past week, wondered, does God love me? After all these years, you're still single. Or you know the heartache of, of infertility. Or every time you see somebody who is the age that your aborted child would have been, you feel sick inside. Or divorce has devastated your dreams. Or you suffered abuse at some point in the past because of a twisted or troubled 
family member or friend. Or you've never been able to find a career that could really provide for you so you could bless your family like you want. Or maybe you've always felt like you're somewhat of a little bit of a disappointment to your family or to your colleagues or maybe you're a disappointment to yourself. Or some disease took somebody that you love away from you way too soon. So be honest about that. Your life has been filled with limitations and losses because it's a fallen world, and if you're disappointed, you should say, Ouch! Yet the Spirit of God through David, who had his own losses, teaches us that the great souls, the healthy souls, the souls that are most human and most humane, even in the midst of devastating disappointments, can still see evidence of God's steadfast love. And they're able to say thank you to God. See, we not only see our losses, we see our additions that have come from the hands of God. Never forget that the Lord forgives, heals, redeems, crowns, and satisfies. And that's in the last part of verse 5. He satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Satisfy here, it's a word that means enrich, to enrich. That God gives us good things that are agreeable and pleasurable and beneficial. When we bless the Lord with grateful hearts, it says here, our youth is renewed like the eagles. It's like, like we're carried on by the winds and we can soar high in youthfulness, freshness. I think what it happens is we become more wide-eyed with wonder, like a little child on Christmas morning when opening their presents. Gratitude helps us actually grow to the maturity of childlikeness. We have a wonder. I mean, somebody made mention of it, I think, in the balcony over here. It helps, gratitude helps your health. Recent studies say that gratitude lowers levels of cortisol, the stress hormone, and it raises levels of serotonin, the happy hormone. It lowers blood pressure. It improves your immune function. It facilitates good sleep. So why wouldn't you want to figure out, how can I add more gratitude? The discipline, the habits, the skills of gratitude to my life. Because gratitude will renew your youth like the eagles. God loves to satisfy our souls with good things. Psalm 103, 13. As a father shows compassion to his children, the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. He's a good, good father who keeps giving you good, good things. Never forget the Lord forgives, heals, redeems, crowns, and satisfies. So this is what we need to do. Like David, you got to preach to your soul. Hey, soul, where are you? Bless the Lord. And all that is within me, my mind, my will, my emotions... Hey, 
Rick Duncan, soul, bless the Lord. Quit going through the motions. Quit being soulless. Quit being lukewarm and complacent. Quit taking the gifts of God for granted. Bless the Lord, soul. Let's go. Stop making me a hypocrite. Stop making me a knucklehead. Bless the Lord. <laughs> Maybe you're here today and you're realizing that your attitude of gratitude is just, just missing. And maybe you don't know that you know that you know that you've actually received the Lord's forgiveness. Maybe you don't know that you know that you know that you're not headed to the pit. Maybe you're not sure you've been redeemed. On the screen, there's a prayer. I just want to read it through to you. And you ask, could this be a prayer that I'm supposed to pray? Dear Lord God, you are incredibly generous, yet I have failed to give you the thanks that you deserve. My soul is sick, and I need your forgiveness. Thank you for sending the greatest gift of all, Jesus. He died on the cross so I could be forgiven. He rose from the grave to give me new life. I now turn from my sin and receive Jesus as my Savior and Lord. Heal my soul and make me whole. Thank you for forgiving, healing, redeeming, crowning satisfying me and maybe somebody in the room and, and this is your day to pray to receive Christ if you've already received Christ pray for somebody in this room that hasn't and if you haven't then I just want to encourage you to those words aren't magic words pray, pray your words but receive Christ today and you can receive those gifts that he came to give and if you prayed that prayer, then text the word Jesus. It's a very simple way for you to confess Christ before others. Just text the word Jesus to 440-746-5575. Just text that word Jesus, and we're not going to uh, be obtrusive or intrusive in your life. We just want to help you take your next step in following Christ. Now, before we wrap up, I want to give you just a few practical ideas about some habits that you could build into your life to help you with your soul care. One, keep a gratitude to God journal. Even secular people say that this is a good idea. Well, I mean, what if every morning you woke up and you just wrote down three things that you're thankful for? And then... What if before you go to sleep at night, you wrote three but down three other things that you're thankful for? I wonder what might happen. You might just be caring for your soul better and gain all those other benefits of gratitude that you mentioned earlier. Practice ACTS praying. A, adoration. I love you, God, for. Because. C, confession. I'm sorry, Lord, for. T, here's our word, thanksgiving. Thank you, God, for. And then last, S is supplication. Lord, I ask you for. I mean, what if you just said, I'm just going to make sure that I somehow, in every prayer, thank God for something. That's caring for your own soul. Maybe at mealtime, we do it at Thanksgiving. Hey, everybody share something you're thankful for over the last year. What if you just said, you know, every day, we're just going to have everybody share at least one thing you're thankful for when you have a meal. 
third or fourth rather, thanks somebody and someone with a capital S for something every day. I mean, what if you just became known for being a thanker? You're going to help your soul. You know, I mentioned earlier one of the biggest disappointments in my life was not making it to the major leagues as a baseball player and how that, you know, attitude of non-gratitude actually was hurting me. See, when I remember what God has done, my soul gets healthier. If I forget what God has done, my soul gets sicker. And I finally had to come to grips with the fact that, you know, God actually used baseball for good in my life. I mean, I, my dad, poor Baptist preacher from Appalachia, never could have sent me to any college, much less Vanderbilt University in Nashville. My baseball playing got me a scholarship there. And while at Vandy, I went on an overseas mission trip to Nicaragua, Guatemala, Honduras, and I roomed with a guy that played baseball at the University of Alabama. And when we got back to the States, he and his fiance introduced me to this co-ed at the University of Alabama named Marianne. And we got married. And we had three boys. Now we got two grandsons. And then God brought us here to help us plant this church. And God used this church to plant other churches. Listen, why focus on what God through baseball did not give me when I could focus on what God through baseball did give me? Why not thank the Lord and watch my soul blossom? We used to sing about gratitude. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Are you ever burdened with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy that you're called to bear? Count your many blessings. Every doubt will fly. And you will keep singing as the days go by. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Lord, teach me and teach my friends here how to bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. So we give you thanks today, Lord, and we ask you to give us the grace, the habits, the practices, so that we can thank you more and our souls will flourish because of it. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I'm going to ask you guys to stand. One of the best ways to bless the Lord from the depths of your soul is by singing praise to God.
So, none of you go through the motions here when we sing these songs, right? You got to put your heart into it, right? Bless the Lord, oh my And all that is, bless his all right, let's just do this. Let's get this done because you're going to be healthier because of it. <laughs>